Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation, coming to you from Washington, D.C., Super Zero Beating the Vast Right Wing Conspiracy. I've been invited to the phone number here. Well, it doesn't really matter today because I'm not set up to take phone calls. I'm sorry. 877-973-7425. So I was at a dinner conversation last night, flew into D.C., and I would note, by the way, that I see more people in masks going to Washington, D.C. than anywhere else. Took a trip to Vegas a while back, one person with a mask. Uh, flew to Louisville, Kentucky, saw one person with a mask. Flew to Washington, D.C., and there were probably a dozen different people. They've all got their N95 masks on. You know, they're very sciencey people just ignoring the science. I, l- listen, Whatever their situation is, uh, God bless them. But at the same time, uh, you know, you don't have to wear the mask now. Uh, and yet they are. Now, I, I, in fairness, I was in a meeting the other day with a guy who was wearing a mask and he apologized and said it, it wasn't COVID. He had been ill and was still potentially contagious, didn't think he was, but just out of respect for everyone else, wore a mask. God bless him. That's fine. But I kind of think this is like COVID fear for people. Nonetheless, so I am here. And in conversation last night, this dinner for the super secret meeting of the vast right wing conspiracy, it came up how quickly the left is now embracing new speak. Like, for example, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I mentioned Jordan Neely yesterday. Jordan Neely is the now dead homeless man who has been assaulting people in the New York subways for some time. He was arrested 40 separate times, 40 separate times. The guy was arrested 40 separate times. Uh, Three people detained him, held him down. He was trying to assault passengers on the train. Uh, And a a Marine, a young Marine in his 20s, put the guy in a chokehold. And unfortunately, Jordan Neely died. It's a tragedy. The Marine did not intend to kill him. But Jordan Neely was also a crazy person who repeatedly assaulted people on the subway system and was caught on videos repeatedly doing so over a prolonged period of time and had been arrested 40 times. The The bad guy here is is not the Marine, but the system that continued to allow Jordan Neely to harass people on the subway system. And I noticed yesterday uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, who said nothing when a crazy person shoved a woman onto the tracks of the subway in front of an oncoming train and killed her, is outraged about Jordan Neely's death and referred to him as houseless and unhoused. And then I saw Axios. Axios is down with the lingo. Axios refers to pregnant people. Now, Axios doesn't refer to pregnant women anymore. Axios, the news website, refers to pregnant people. And this, the, if you look at the URL, it was originally labeled Death of Homeless NYC Subway Rider Placed in Chuckle Ruled a Homicide. It was originally titled Homeless. But the headline now reads Death of Unhoused. New York City subway rider placed in chokehold ruled a homicide. Unhoused. I'm just fascinated with the left's willingness to grab hold of the new speak and embrace the new speak as quickly as possible. So you have pregnant person, you don't have pregnant woman. You have unhoused or houseless instead of homeless. You have Latinx 
instead of Latino or Latina to make it gender neutral. And they just embrace this stuff and, and they run with it. And then they look at you funny when you don't embrace the words, when you don't use the lingo that they use. It's kind of telling, you know, I, so I follow a website. The guy is a, a, a very smart guy. His website, I always find fascinating things, rarely anything related to show prep, but always fascinated stuff. But the guy, I, I don't even know if he realizes how quickly he's willing to just embrace the new words of the left, the new speak of the left. He did something last night on uh, on on homelessness and referred to, uh, I, I think it was Finland solved the problem of the unhoused. What are the unhoused? Those are the homeless people. What I find notable about this, and this goes back to an Atlantic article I referenced a while back on the show, is they're not actually solving the problem anymore. They're changing the words to make them feel better about the situation. They're changing the words for their own consciousness. They're not trying to solve the problem. They're just redefining the words to make it less of a problem because it's their policy solutions in many cases that have failed. Take homelessness, for example. The left has for a very long time been committed to the idea of fighting homelessness. And they haven't been able to, to fix the problem. There are homeless people everywhere. So instead they treat it as urban camping. And they want to give these people tents to live in. That's their solution. They, they don't want them in their backyard. They don't want them in skyscrapers. They don't want them in buildings. They, they just give them a tent. Stay away from my neighborhood. Stay in a tent. And, and you're no longer a homeless person. You're just unhoused. That's the problem. You're unhoused. If only you had a house, you would be fine. Never mind you don't have a job. Never mind you have a drug addiction. Never mind you, you have all these mental health problems. That You're just, you are unhoused. That is the problem. And it makes you feel better because a homeless person, well, a homeless person, that, that means something to the average person. A homeless person means some, some vagrant who wanders the streets and sleeps under a bridge at night. But if you're an unhoused person, just be, oh, we're, we're just trying to find the person a house. That's it. It, it, it. it takes the problem away. And then, of course, there's pregnant person. Now, no, not just any person can get pregnant. Only women can get pregnant. But in the era where where boys can become girls and girls can become boys, suddenly supposed boys can get pregnant. Even though they're girls, we're supposed to call them boys. And just matter of fact, nothing wrong, no big deal. Just like homeless becomes unhoused, girl becomes boy, and you're supposed to treat the girl as a boy and know that boys can get pregnant and, and boys can now get uh, uh, ovarian cysts and, and uterine cancers and, and uh, endometriosis, all, all these things that, 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 that the girls get, the boys can now get. There was actually a study the other day at a medical journal about the increased risk. Now, follow along with me here. This was an actual medical journal. The increased risk of women with prostate cancer. The increased risk of women with prostate cancer. Those are called dudes. Those are dudes. Women don't get prostate cancer and men don't get pregnant. But in an upside down world where the homeless person becomes unhoused, and the pregnant woman becomes the pregnant person, 
suddenly the men are getting the women's problems and the women are getting the men's problems. There was a video that, that surfaced yesterday of a, of a trans TikTok activist man talking to, giving tips on how to lubricate to put a tampon in. I'm just going to let that image and, and, and that whole thing sit there with you. A, a, a trans woman giving tips on lubrication for a tampon insertion. We have allowed the insane people to take over. And they're changing the language. It's all very Orwellian. It's all very 1984. You're an unhoused person. Uh, it, it's no longer even a disabled person. It, it's, it's an uh, abilityless person. Or unability, it's no longer disability, it's no longer handicapped, it's, um, oh, what is it, Uh, unabled, ableness, they've redefined even what it means to have a disability now. No, it's no no big deal, it's no big deal, you just, you you lack the ability now. We'll find you, we'll find you some way to, to, we'll we'll find you some way to to find the ability. It's, It's insane word speak. For people, and, and this is what you need to understand about it, is is like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez upset about Jordan Neely's death, that he was unhoused, he was houseless. It makes her feel better to say it that way. It has nothing to do with Jordan Neely and everything to do with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Axios News writing about the unhoused Jordan Neely it makes the writers at Axios feel better. It makes their readers feel better. The pregnant person, it makes Axios, the left-wing news site, feel better. It has nothing to do about solving the problem. It has nothing to do with addressing the problem. It has nothing to do with highlighting the problem. It's a wordplay change to make the progressives who have failed feel better. That's it. That's what's going on. And we're going to hear more and more of the new speak. They can't win the arguments. They lose the arguments because arguments, when you pull the emotion out and rely on reason, the progressives are no longer capable of reasoning. They're no longer capable of engaging in logic. It's all emotion. And in the emotion of the left-wing new speak, what happens is these people just change the words. And when changing the words, they think they can win the argument. And what they don't realize is that the unhoused person is still homeless. The pregnant person is still a woman. And the able limited person is still disabled. They haven't fixed a problem. They've just virtue signaled so that they themselves can sleep well at night. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson coming to you live from Washington, D.C. today. I will be Gosh, y'all, I got a travel schedule just crazy. So I'm in Washington today. I'll be in Sea Island on Monday. Uh, I'll be doing the show again live there um, Friday of next week. I'm finally going to take off, go play golf. Thanks to everybody who's given me the IPA um, ideas for my buddy who's coming in to play golf with me. He's an IPA drinker and wants some to explore the, the craft beer scene in Georgia. So trying to set him up there. Um, I'm, and I'm not an IPA drinker, but anyway, so crazy time. I'll be, I think I land tonight back at, I, I flew up last night after the show, uh, was in meetings this morning. I've got, I, I told him I had to step out to do the show. 
So doing the show, so finish the show at three, go back to meetings until five-ish. Uh, my flights at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. I get home around midnight. It's just, it's a, it's a crazy time. Um, but I will survive. Now, Anheuser-Busch. You know, we, I, I thought we were done talking about Bud Light, but we're not. Uh, Anheuser-Busch is offering their frontline employees and wholesalers a $500 bonus as compensation for the backlash over Bud Light. Their sales are down globally 1% impact in sales, according to uh, the chief executive of, of InBev, I think the company's name is. A 26.1% domestically, but it's having a global impact. And interestingly enough, uh, Miller Lite and Coors Light, both better beers, by the way, you'll find both in my office fridge, for example, that uh, they've skyrocketed. The problem here is that a lot of the distributors are locally owned. Like, for example, uh, there, there's a great Anheuser-Busch distributorship uh, in the Atlanta area. Uh, a fantastic family owns the distributorship, uh, and I'm sure they're having trouble. So I'm I'm sure it's different in different states. But So in my state, the way it works is that uh, craft beer brewers can sell a limited amount of their beer directly to the public, but to get it into stores and stuff, the brewer, uh, engages in a relationship with a distributor and the re- distributor engages with a relationship with the store. And uh, so there, there's one in, in, um, middle Georgia where I live called bib distributing. I know the owner and it's it's a family-run place. And then up in the Metro Atlanta area, they've got Eagle Rock Distributing. Uh, just wonderful people. Great, great, great family in charge of it. And they are not an Anheuser-Busch company. They are run by them by, by a family. And they're a solid, good family. And they are now paying the price of the wokes at Anheuser-Busch. And now Anheuser-Busch is having to step forward and to some degree put money where their mouth is because, I mean, you're, you're seeing a real decline in sales with Anheuser-Busch. You're, you're seeing it's not just Bud Light anymore. It's spilling over into Michelob Ultra, which is a very fast-growing brand. It's spilling over into Budweiser. It's spilling over into other, other brands within the company. And so these independently owned distributors, let alone the grocery stores and the bars that have already purchased uh, the beer, they're running into problems. This is not an encouragement to go drink Bud Light because of the, what it's doing to the local economy. No, that, that's not it at all. It, it is to, to suggest to Anheuser-Busch, maybe instead of a non-apology apology, you should come out and say, we're sorry, we disrespected our customers we should never have done what we did in the week of the Nashville shooting. It was bad form, and the people who thought it was a good idea have been relieved of their jobs. Now we're going to bring back real men of genius. Just own up that you screwed up instead of doing this non-apology apology. I feel really bad for the distributors and for the guys who drive the beer trucks, I, I was talking to a, a a bar owner who said that his local distributor has gone from daily deliveries to weekly deliveries. No one is buying Bud Light. There was a video that circulated the night before last, I think, of a Red Sox game where literally no one in the stadium would drink the Bud Light when they were out of all the other beers. 
People stopped drinking the beer. They, they weren't going to drink Bud Light. That's how damaging this is. I mean, the moral of the story here, frankly, is you go woke, you go broke. This reminds me of what happened to Target in 2016. Target said they were going to allow men into women's bathrooms. Store sales fell 7%. Target spent $20 million putting in gender-neutral single-stall bathrooms as a result. And they kept saying, oh, it has nothing to do with this. It has nothing to do with this. Completely unrelated. They sure didn't act like it was unrelated. Americans are not comfortable with this. And Bud Light in particular disrespected its consumers. You never disrespect your consumers. That's Marketing 101. They did. The woman, Alyssa, what's her name? And and her boss should be fired. And Bud Light should come out. Anheuser-Busch should come out and say, I'm sorry. They no longer work here. We actually do love you. And then they don't have to shell out extra money trying to subsidize the existence of people who really just want to work. Now, I want you to work with Patriot Mobile because Patriot Mobile is a fantastic company and Patriot Mobile will save you some money. If you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, got multiple lines for your household, they can give you great discounts and they take a portion of their profits and give it to the causes you care about, like the the Second Amendment and the pro-life cause. They even fund... Uh, the citizens rising up against wokes on school boards. And all you got to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. When you call them, you're talking to someone in the U.S., 100% U.S.-based customer service. It's patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. Get that free activation. Do business with a company that shares your values and contributes to the causes you care about and grow the movement together with PatriotMobile.com. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, although I don't know that I can take you today given the setup in Washington. I got, got call screener program and stuff. It's just internet flaky. Um, nonetheless, uh, glad to have you with me. Hope you're having a great Friday. Hope you're having a great weekend. You know, the coronation is tomorrow. I'm, I may talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, I actually, I'm kind of fascinated by it, but okay. I, I'm, I want to, I want to talk about something and it's a delicate issue. And I understand the sensitivities of people involved and I want to be really delicate about it. You know, I did not grow up in this country and I have to admit that moving back to this country from growing up abroad to having spent 10 years, my formative years, five to 15 in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, moved back to this country, moved to rural Louisiana. And, and I got to admit, I was a little bit clueless about race issues in the United States of America. And over the years, have had experiences and met people who have kind of opened my eyes to problems in the country. I don't think the United States of America is a systemically racist country. I do think the United States has had problems in the past and has worked so hard to overcome them to the point that we got our first black president. And though I disagreed with him and did not vote for him, I could recognize it as a historic milestone for the United States of America. The, the, the situations we've seen around the country with police brutality have been really unfortunate. 
I was kind of struck in the George Floyd situation, not just what happened. The, 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 the man had no business, the police had no business putting a knee on the man's neck for that long. They, they didn't. Putting a knee on his neck for that long, they did not. And I was also really aware of the people on the right who essentially wanted to damn George Floyd for his past sins. He wasn't a great guy. He had all sorts of problems. But those problems do not justify someone having their knee on his neck as long as that officer did. It, in and of itself, was a problem. And it was a problem that people wanted to justify because they wanted to make it black versus white and they wanted to defend the police. And, and they did not want to recognize or, or, or have empathy in that situation. And we've seen these situations time and time again, and and they should shock the conscious. Uh, look at the 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 situation down in in South Georgia, with a young man who was hunted down by people. He was hunted down. He he had been seen jogging, and they chased him, and they relied on their contacts with local law enforcement to try to get out of the fact that they actually killed the guy. It should shock the conscience. But I, 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 I say that because this is where I, I tread on dangerous ground, and I know it's dangerous ground because I know that me, being a white person, a conservative talk radio show host, this is something I'm not supposed to talk about. And the problem is that we hide behind this. The left essentially raises the shield and says, you, by virtue of your skin color and your, your gender, you can't talk about this issue, but I'm going to talk about the issue. In South Georgia, in Moultrie, Georgia, there's been another what the police would probably consider or, or what, what the left would consider mass shooting. Moultrie, Georgia, it's a, a city, not a big one, in South Georgia. A guy named Kentavious White, 26 years old, shot and killed his 50-year-old mother, and his 74-year-old grandmother, and then went to a local McDonald's and shot and killed the 41-year-old assistant manager. All three women were shot multiple times, and then he killed himself. Killed himself. Self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. They don't know yet when uh, they assume that there was a connection between him and the assistant manager at the McDonald's. That, that hasn't come out as of now while I'm on air here, but they assume so. Now, this all comes after Wednesday. There was a shooting in Atlanta, and man walks into a hospital and shoots five. One is dead. Four are in the hospital, three critically wounded. Another young black man. And that, my friends, is the problem. The media doesn't want to talk about this. They, they want to talk about mass shootings. And is there a problem? Yes, there's clearly a problem. And the number of mass shootings has gone up. And, and we focus on the young white men with the AR-15s who go into schools. But, but they pale in comparison 
to the amount of black-on-black violence in the United States of America. They pale in comparison to the number of young black men gunning down other young black men, but also others, relatives, and, and beyond. We had the situation in Alabama. 32 people shot at a birthday party, at a sweet 16 birthday party. Two young black men tried to gun down the people at a birthday party. Five or, five or so were killed out of the 32 shot. And the media that weekend that that mass shooting in Alabama happened when no AR-15 was involved, just handguns, decided instead to focus on an 86, I believe it was, year old white man in St. Louis, Missouri, firing through his front door, shooting a black teenage boy. That in and of itself, inexcusable and awful, and the 80-something-year-old man is going to go to prison for however long left he has. Thankfully, the young man did not die. But the media preferred to cover that, and the family of the victim there gets invited to the White House to spend time with the president. What about the 32 people shot in Alabama? And in Atlanta, Raphael Warnock wants to rush to the floor of the United States Senate and talk about gun control and, and how uh, it, it's time to do something with gun violence in the country. That The unspoken assumption is that this can't happen to me. This won't happen to me. It won't happen to people that I love. But with a mass shooting every day, the truth is the chances are great. I shudder to say it, but, but the, the truth is, in a real sense, is only a matter of time that this kind of tragedy comes knocking on your door. As a pastor, I'm, I'm praying for those who are affected by this tragedy, but I hasten to say that thoughts and prayers are not enough. Now, look, I, I, I get the desire of people to do something about guns in this country. I, I, I disagree with the solutions they offer. I understand they don't mean ill they don't want to just make you a serf of the state, although I think that would be the outcome. They genuinely, I think most of them, see these horrible situations happen, and they think if we would just get people to hand in their guns, never mind the Second Amendment of the problems here, we, we could solve a real problem. And they look at Republicans and they think, why won't these people go along with us? And, and they don't quite understand the arguments of the right. They, of course, the left never understands the arguments of the right. But I'm looking at a lot of these situations taking shape around the country. I'm thinking, Senator Warnock, you're a minister, you're an African-American male, why aren't you preaching into the community of young black men who are killing each other? Barack Obama, you're an inspirational figure in the black community. Why aren't you speaking to the problems of young black men in gangs who feel the need to gun each other down? What am I missing in this? Because, look, I understand the issue with, with, with young white men shooting up schools, whether it's Newtown or Parkland or, or, or you name it, they're horrible situations. Uvalde, Texas, they're horrible situations. But when you get rid of the two-thirds of gun deaths in this country that are suicides, you're left with 13,000 or so, and the overwhelming majority of those tend to be young black men shooting other young black men in this country. They're, they're crimes of passion. There are murders of... of, of uh, people committing adultery and things like that, but but the random violence in this country tends to be young black men 
killing other young black men and other younger black people in this country, male and female. More kids, I've mentioned this before, in 2022, more people, more kids, all of them African-American, were killed in nine American cities than all school shootings combined from Columbine to now. Why is there no conversation on this? And I realized I, I I am an outsider. I grew up overseas. I wasn't here in the 1980s. It, it, this goes back, I think, to the, the left rearranging language in this country. They, they can no longer grapple with the failures of their policy outcomes. So instead of saying homeless, they just sound, say, unhoused makes it sound a little better. And in this country, they just tell tell us, well, it's because the country is systemically racist. Uh, black people can't get ahead, and this is all the 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 echo of systemic racism in society. This I don't believe that's true. You the first black president of the United States. We got the first black vice president of the United States. You've got a black man representing South Carolina, the home of the Confederacy, the start of the Civil War in the United States Senate, and he's a major party candidate for president of the United States. Sure, there's still progress to be had, but you can't tell me that we're worse now than we were in the 1940s and 50s when we had Jim Crow segregated bathrooms, whites only and blacks only water fountains, and and you had to sit in the back of the, the bus. And Surely we've gotten better as a country. You, of course, there's there's always progress to be had, but you've got young black men killing young black men in this country, and the best the media, the left, everybody has to offer in this is to scream racism, that it's a systemically racist country, and tell white people, you're not allowed to talk about that, that's for the black community, but nobody in the black community seems to be having this conversation, and so I just look at a United States senator who, while the bodies are still warm in Atlanta during a mass shooting on Wednesday, rushes to the floor of the United States Senate to call for gun control, and I'm just wondering, Senator, you're a black man from Atlanta. Why aren't you trying to curb and help the situation within the black community of young men who are gunning each other down? Surely you may not be able to get a gun control legislation through the United States Senate, but you could meaningfully impact the lives and save lives by addressing young black men who might actually connect to you by virtue of you being an older black man minister, now United States Senator. And he would rather play politics. No good way to transition from that, and I'm sure I will get hate mail, but nonetheless, um, taken in the spirit in which it's intended lovingly. Um, but I got to transition. I got to tell you about, not well, I'm not transitioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Advantage Gold. 800-450-2566 is their number. With the stock market turmoil we've had, I mean, did y'all see the Dow yesterday and today? So, meh. Uh, you got the turmoil out there in the world. You got the Ukraine situation. You got Russia threatening nukes again. All of these things just have these cascading effects on the on the world and on the stock market. If you're interested in using precious metals at all for your retirement, reach out to Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. They can help you with your general investments, with your IRA, with your 401k. They'll even give you a free IRA gold investment kit so you understand the rules and compliance that the IRS makes you follow. If you want to use precious metals, 800 800- 450-2566. One more time, 800-450-2566. Call Advantage Gold today. Tell them I sent you. See if they can help you. They, they, they don't have gimmicks. They just give you the facts. 800-450-2566. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Hope you're ready for the week. I'm, we may convert this to an open container Friday before this is over, although I have no idea where in here I can grab a beer. But nonetheless, uh, from Washington, D.C., I come. 
a probably I'll just admit it. Uh, well, I, I got a speech in the morning, so I fly home, get home around midnight. And then in the morning, I got to go give a speech, but I'm going to check in on the coronation. That's right. Uh, Charles the third is coronated tomorrow in London crowned king. Now when, when Queen Elizabeth II died, he automatically became king. Uh, a lot of people thought he would embrace a different name, but he went with Charles the third and the coronation is tomorrow. And I'm fascinated by this. Just, I am a student of history and I particularly love Western civilization history uh, and the progenitors of, of the, the British empire history and I'm fascinated. The crown goes back to the 1600s. It's considered priceless. And they used two crowns, the actual crown, St. Stephen's crown. They had an original St. Stephen's crown, and it was um, tied to Edward I. It was a very ancient crown. And when Cromwell took over, he melted it down and sold off the jewels. And so when uh, the restoration happened and Charles II took the throne, they remade a crown based on sketches and paintings and the like of the original crown, did it a little fancier. The thing wears over five pounds, so literally Charles has been walking around wearing this thing on his head, just getting used to it like his mother did. In fact, he says he's got memories of her when he was a four-year-old. She would come in while he was in the bathtub and would be wearing the crown on her head. And he's been doing the same. And, of course, Camilla will be crowned queen. They're using a, a spoon and basin to do holy oil. They got the olives from uh, Israel, from Jerusalem. And the, the, the spoon in which the oil will be rested is from, like, the 12th century. We don't have anything that old in this country. It's one of the things when my wife and I, we went uh, years ago now to Prague, uh, it would have been about 17 years ago now. We went to Prague. We ate in a restaurant that had been serving meals in this building from the 1100s. It had been the home of the patron saint. Uh, they had been serving meals there. This place had been regularly a restaurant since I think the 1500s. It was insane. I mean, nobody was even in this country really in the 1500s. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, it had been discovered by then by by the Europeans, and you had the American Indians, but nothing like this. I'm just fascinated by by the 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 historicity of it. A Princess Anne, who is the the oldest daughter of Queen Elizabeth, uh, the second of the children. She was asked in an interview by the Canadian Broadcasting Company the other day where Charles will be king there too, what she makes of the monarchy and, and is it is it past its prime? And, and she said it, it ties, essentially said, she's not worried about it because a monarchy, unlike any other form of government, ties people to the past and the future and sustains people in a way that no democratic government can through a, a level of continuity, which is a pretty good argument. I, I'm I'm not a monarchist. I'm a Republican, but I kind of admire the fact that uh, this monarchy has been going for a thousand years, and history will be made tomorrow in Westminster Abbey, a place I visited many times. I have seen the throne, the old wooden throne, where people have have carved their names into it over the years, on which the king will sit. the The stone of destiny they claim came from. Uh, Jerusalem, uh, they will be preceded in by a cross of silver with shards given by Pope Francis that he claims came from the one true cross. That's right. They claim that the shards in this silver cross 
that will advance before the king and queen tomorrow actually came from Christ's cross. Now, we do have some relics of that period, but I don't know that we know for sure that this is the cross, but they believe it. They believe it and handed it over in an act of ecumenicalism. I'm just fascinated by the history, y'all. I mean, he'll be wearing uh, garments that have been around for four or 500 years. It's, it's impressive. It, it really is. Uh, we don't have a sense of that history in this country, and we can mock it, and we can say it's outdated and outmoded, and ha, 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 you have a king, and he's got big ears, and blah, 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 blah. But it's also a, a real sense of history that I'm just fascinated by, and I wouldn't be that dismissive of it. It, 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 that monarchy ties the British people together in ways our presidents used to, where they could be president of the nation and a partisan figure. Now, if if it's a Republican, the Democrats hate him. If it's a Re- Democrat, the Republicans hate him. And in the monarchy, you can find some common ground. They certainly did with Queen Elizabeth, less so with Charles, but still a fascinating moment in world history. We get to witness it, too, on TV tomorrow.